Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. And welcome back everyone, and hello and good day to you. We are Bill and Matt, or Matt and Bill of Simplify Jesus, coming to you live. No, not really, it's a recording, but we're here. Thanks for listening. So we are today going to dive into Exodus 32 through 34, if you're following along. Grab your Bibles, open up some scripture. To recap where we left off, last week uh, we were talking about Moses going up to Mount Sinai and uh, he was meeting with God to receive the law. Of course, this law is the well-known Ten Commandments and uh, many other laws for how God called the Israelites to live. So, you know, we we think of God's law as the Ten Commandments because that's what everybody knows, but there's a lot more than that, which Mm -hmm. you're going to find out here before too long. But Moses went up the mountain and received the two tablets from God that he inscribed the law on and then gave them to Moses for the people. As we do, God tells us what not to do. And then, of course, we do it. Yeah. That's where we're going to come to today is the people just, it doesn't take long for, for, for us to screw up after we're told what not to do. Yeah, it didn't take long at all. It didn't take long at all for these guys. You can imagine, we we talked a good bit last week about the the law and Ten Commandments and all that stuff. There was a lot of law that God gave to Moses. And so it took a little while for Moses to come down the mountain after he went up there. And so, you know, if you look at just the chapters it took up in the Bible, it's Exodus 20 through 31 is the time that he was up on the mountain. And so it, it was long enough that uh, the people started getting a little restless, a little worried. Okay, where's Moses? What's happening with Moses? What's going on? And so... um as they got restless, they went to Aaron and they said, Hey, you make a God for us. We don't know what happened with this Moses guy that led us out of Egypt, but you can make a God for us as our leader, as our, as our new leader. And talk about mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take long at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now I wonder if this was days or weeks or months or what we're, what we're looking at. Doesn't really say. It, it doesn't say. I, I would guess it's, it's in a matter of days. But I don't know that for sure. I, I, I'm i not sure. There's another spot where it talks about being on the mountain for 40 days, kind of after this event. And so maybe it was the same. I don't know. But well, it's... Uh, as often as numbers repeat in the Bible, you know, you got seven, you got 40. The number 12, uh, 12 tribes, 12 mm-hmm. disciples. Yeah. I yeah. bet it would be one of those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so you might think, you know, Aaron has have seen how God has moved, how he moved through Moses. You might think, okay, you know, if anybody's going to have some, some sense in this situation of what to do, it's going to be Aaron. He's going to have some godly wisdom, be patient, trust God. But that's not what happened. Instead, he told the people, I said, take off your golden rings, earrings, jewelry, whatever you got, and give them to him. And he took them all, he melted it all down, and he made it into the image of a calf. And this calf was now their quote-unquote God. Why a um, calf, though? So what? interestingly, I did some research on that. Okay. Um, so so calves were traditional uh, sacrifices in the Egyptian culture, but also worshipped um, in Egyptian culture. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that and what was going on in the rest of the world. But worshiping animals and and bulls and cows in particular was was kind of a was kind of a thing for them. Interesting. So, yeah. So it came out of the Egyptian culture most likely, though. So that's seeing how much time they spent there. That was probably why it was their natural. <laughs> their natural inclination. I, I've got to laugh because 
you've got a God that is causing these plagues in Egypt that everybody mm-hmm. saw yep. and then protected the Israelites from. Mm-hmm. And then they're walking through the Red Sea and not getting wet. Right. Crashing down on the Egyptians, wiping them out. Yeah. And then they say, oh, that's not good enough. Let's worship a golden calf. Yeah. Well, and not only that, I mean, this is the same guy that provided manna for him. He turned the bitter water into uh, water they could actually drink. I mean, he's done all these things for him out in the wilderness, too. And, yeah, no, we're going to we're gonna make a calf. We're going to worship this. Something man-made. They're watching it made. Yep, let's worship that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's do that, right? Um, but I'm sure we'll get into this later, but nothing's changed. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. You know, and, and what's crazy about this is that, you know, Aaron not only did it, but the Israelites even responded. were like, yeah, this is the God that delivered us out of Egypt. Like, what? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Exodus 32, 4 says the Israelites, like the elders of Israel are telling the other Israelites, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, so when Aaron saw how they responded to the calf, he said, okay, we're going to plan a festival to the Lord. Now, the the word Lord there, it's in the Bible, it's a capital L-O-R-D. And so that typically is means that it's written as Yahweh, which is the, the name for God, the, the holy name for God. And so he planned a festival to God after making a golden calf. And they're worshiping the calf. So it, it gives a little bit of insight of what's probably going through their minds, right? They were the people were following Moses, but as soon as Moses was off the scene, they didn't have their tangible connection anymore. And so, okay, we've got to have something else tangible that we can, that we can worship. Well, that's like people following pastors today instead of God, right? Yeah. Going to church because of the pastor. And then that pastor leaves Mm -hmm. and the church splits. Right. Yeah. I was actually just talking to a guy about that the other day. There's a church locally that has been without a pastor for, I think he said like three years they've had an interim guy and the interim kind of wore out his welcome. But, but the problem was the, the bylaws required, like it was like 85 or 90% approval for a pastor to come on board. And let's be real there. You know, this is a little side track here, but um, I'm not sure that Jesus himself coming back would get 90% approval in the church. Yeah. It, it, and so it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous standard. Everything went through and their, their new pastor is going to be starting soon and all that. But, but it was interesting talking to him about that because I've seen it. I've seen it happen firsthand. I know you've experienced it as well. When a pastor leaves, like, you know, you can tell how many people are looking at the pastor and say, okay, our spiritual leader and not saying, hey, God's in control, whatever happens here. Right. Right. Yeah. And going where God leads you. Right? And, right. and doing what God wants you to do. We talk about that all the time. In the last year we've been doing this, we've talked about how it's so important to pay attention to that. Yeah. And... I mean, I struggle with it. I struggle. I've I've said it many times. I struggle with reading my Bible because it's hard to be tangible. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that the chosen came on TV, yeah. right? Oh, I can connect to this. It makes <laughs> yeah. it real, right? But that's not what. While it's biblically inspired, and I believe they are doing their very best to go along with what the Bible actually says, it's still a TV show. Mm-hmm. It is not the actual Bible, right? It is still flawed actors doing what they do. Next year, next week, whatever, they're probably going to be off on some crime show, you know, <laughs> doing something completely different. Right. Because they, that's what pays their bills. Right. And that's okay. But yeah. we can't put our faith 
in something other than God in the Bible. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't put your faith in the actors that are there or in this great TV show and all that stuff. It's gotta be in their message. Yeah. And that, that points us back to God. Cause if it's not pointing us back to God, then we're missing the point. Right. And don't um, get me wrong. I love the show. We've yeah. talked about it many times, but it's not the Bible and it's not God. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And part of the problem here is that God had just given them the 10 commandments. Um, so if you read kind of the order of events, God speaks the Ten Commandments, I guess, while they're all still on the ground. He speaks them out. So everybody hears those from from what I can tell. And then Moses goes up the mountain to get the rest of the law and get the Ten Commandments inscribed on the two tablets. So one of the, I think it's commandment number two is don't make any idols. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they didn't know. <laughs> you know, it. whatever amount of time he was up there, this cloud that, and thunderstorm and all that they were so afraid of that they didn't want to approach it. You know, they immediately are like, eh, yeah, we're good. We're going to go do this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, again, how often do we do that? Just, it, it's it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. But but here we are. God being the all-knowing, omniscient uh, God he is, he caught this happening, and he sent Moses back down the mountain. And it's interesting, in kind of back-to-back verses, he said, he first sends them down, he's like, look, you need to go fix this. Go, go fix this. But... Right after that, in Exodus 32, verses 9 and 10, the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them, and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Which is, it's just kind of interesting to see how how that shifts. Um, but also, you know, we talk about, and we're going to talk about this a lot when we get into Israel conquering the land of Canaan and all that stuff, but the holiness of God that, like, when when sin enters the scene and when there's when there's problems there where he's people are clearly going against what he's told them to do it's it's kind of a no-nonsense situation which just tells you all the more how important jesus is and how how big of a deal it is that jesus came and did what he did but well and this is going to be huge spoilers so you know (laughs) if you read your bible it won't be but I find it interesting, and maybe this is where people say the Bible contradicts itself, mm. and, and maybe you can help me out with this, because mm-hmm. I don't believe it does, but it is kind of confusing. God is saying, I'm going to destroy them, mm-hmm. and here in a minute, Moses is going to say, but no, don't do that. Yeah. You know, give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to them. Let me, you know, and then God says, okay, I'll give them a chance, right? I'm mm-hmm. definitely paraphrasing, and we'll, and we'll get yeah. into the verse here in a minute, but later on down the road... Moses makes a mistake and God says, well, you're done. You're not in the promised land, but here he's saying, I'm going to destroy these people and make you a great nation. Mm -hmm. But then later he's like, no, you screwed up. So you're out. You're not getting in the promised land. Mm -hmm. One would almost say God's a little fickle. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. So, so I think two, two differences in those, I think one of them is, so, so like you said, in this situation, Moses came to God and said, God, you know, it's, it's, he basically, his reasoning with him is that it's not going to be a good look for you if you come and destroy them all and then start over. Um, you did all these wondrous signs to get us out here. You know, don't, don't mess it up, which is, which is kind of interesting that it's not like God didn't know that. I wonder if he was testing Moses a little bit, like, all right, you going to fight for these people? Are you, are you going to be a leader for them? Kind of interesting there. It um, is. And that's, and that's kind of my point, you know, yeah. but who are we to change God's mind? Yeah. And that, that's one of the interesting things. Like, like, like you said, with Moses later down the road, it's kind of a one and done, like, nope, not doing it. Um, and I say one and done. It's not like Moses was perfect this whole time, right? He, he right. had issues all along the way as well. I think 
what flipped the script is all along the way when the Israelites grumbled and when they, you know, when they were going against God, Moses was always like the, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to, when, when he also turns, it's, it's like now we've, we've lost, not, not lost all hope, but like we've lost all bearing of what's right and wrong here and, and what we should be doing. And which is why I think the punishment come, comes after that. Because we, when even the leader falls in with the people, you don't have that spiritual, you don't have that moral compass mm-hmm. leading the people anymore. It's like we've got to, we've got to hit the reset button now. Of course, Moses immediately, you know, tries to tries to rectify that situation. But, but I think what what's interesting is that when when you have at least one righteous person in the middle of it, that's you know, going on behalf of the people in prayer and talking to God, that that it can be changed. And we, you know, we talk about prayer being about and I and I hundred percent believe this is true. The prayers for us and and our mindset and and uh, helping grow our faith. But God does listen to prayer and He does answer. Sometimes He answers yes. Sometimes He answers no. But can the course of events be changed? I think in some situations, yes. I think and so too. I think our 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 faithfulness can can be a big part of that. That's why we bring prayer to others, right? We yeah. want a bunch of prayer. We want a lot of people praying for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like we're we're taking votes or anything and trying <laughs> right. to get. We're not signing a petition here, and mm-hmm. God's not like, "Well, you got to get a hundred more, and then I'm going to do it." <laughs> right. It's not the way it works. But yeah. yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It's faith. It's reminding us that as we are praying, that God is ultimately in control, mm-hmm. and we need to be okay with whatever happens. Yeah, because yeah, you know, part of the part of Jesus' model prayer was. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the it, one of the very first things he says is, I know what I want, but your will needs to come down. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, so that, and that should be our hearts as well. It's like, this is what I would like to happen in this situation. But ultimately I want to see your will done. That's where I, I want to be in your will and doing what you want me to do. And so that's, that's what I'm going to focus on. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever answer that is to my request, that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. And we'll get into more of, of what we were talking about with Moses being, exiled and all of that later um <laughs> yeah you know, like i said spoilers but um i just think that's really important to to think about god uh, moses was literally going to god and praying and saying hey don't do this to him mm-hmm. you know let me talk to him go into the details here what does the verse actually say so yeah so what what moses said this is exodus 32 uh, starting in verse 11 it says lord why does your anger burn against your people you brought out of the land of egypt with great power and a strong hand why should the egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people remember your servants abraham isaac and israel you swore to them by yourself and declared i will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your offspring to all this land i've promised and they will inherit it forever and so he you know moses just kind of reminds him like you made these promises to abraham isaac and israel or jacob uh, right he had both names basically don't (laughs) don't defame yourself by bringing us all out here and then killing everybody. Mm-hmm. It's that doesn't seem to be the best course of action. Right. So he was able to reason with him and, mm-hmm. and, and God said, okay, but deal with your people, but you got to go <laughs> deal with it. And so, so Moses goes down the mountain. He takes the two tablets, um, which God wrote the law and, uh, he met with the people. And so he gets down there and you know, I mentioned earlier that Aaron set up a festival to the Lord. So he sees the singing and dancing. It says they even saw the, the calf dancing, which I, maybe they had it in their hands and they were, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing with it, but he was not happy. 
No. Um, he was so mad that he threw these stone tablets on the ground and smashed them. And just for kind of context of how big these things could be, I, I was reading up on, you know, what happened to the to the two stone tablets. And there's kind of a long history with that that we'll get into later. But they were in the Ark of the Covenant that we don't know where it is now. But there were some, uh, I guess, replicas made later on, maybe in the, you know, kind of around the time Jesus was around that they think were written in the Samaritan area, which is kind of northern Israel. But those things were two feet wide by two feet tall. Um, stone. Of, of stone, right? So so assuming that they were crafted after something similar to what Moses had, these are big tablets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for him to throw them down and smash them, it's a big deal. Well, he but you've mad. also got this 80-plus-year-old dude carrying them down from a mountain. So they, right. While they were heavy... Couldn't have been too heavy. That's true. <laughs> or he had super strength. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> we had Superman in the flesh. So he got down there. He smashes these tablets. And then he gets the calf that they're worshiping. He grounds it into powder and puts it in the water and makes the Israelites drink it. Um, it's like get, it's a little bit of get a taste of your own medicine here. This is what you're doing to yourself. And then he goes to their leader, the guy who's supposed to be their spiritual leader. He's supposed to be the high priest over these guys in Aaron. And Aaron's immediate response, he starts backpedaling a little bit. He's he's not about this. Exodus 32, 22 through 24, he says, Don't be enraged, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. They said to me, Make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I said to them, Whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it into the fire, boom, out came this calf. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just, Talk about passing the buck. Yeah. <laughs> it was all their fault. Yeah. They did it. And ju- just the imagery that, you know, we just took this gold, melted it down over the fire, and boom, out popped a calf. I mean, that's just, come on. That's crazy. Even in, with the amazing things God did and the miracles and all that stuff, it's a little bit hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think God created a calf for, for them to worship. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> He's not going to break his own commandments that quickly. Right. Uh, well, he's not going to break his own commandments at all, but definitely not like that. <laughs> right. And he's not going to He's not going to create this idol for him for them to worship just to get angry and kill them because that's yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. To to say that Moses was disappointed at, at this would be an understatement. He went out and talked to him and said, "Look, whoever is for the Lord, come come to me." And the people who joined him were actually the Levites. So you go back to Israel. He had his 12 sons. One of them was Levi. The people that came to him were the descendants of Levi, the Levites. They become the priests down the road. But those were the people that came and joined him. Now, after he talks to the people, he confronts Aaron. He goes back before God on the people's behalf and asks for forgiveness of their sins. Exodus 32, 32 says, Now if you'd only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. So so Moses' response is, forgive them, allow them to stay. Don't bring your wrath on them. But if you take them out, take me with them. Right? I, I'm either with these people leading them to be more like you, or I'm out with them. You may not know the answer to this, but this is the first time I remember reading or hearing that, that somebody has asked God for forgiveness like this directly, like mm. we would to Jesus. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. This is probably one of the first times um, that we have a, a true intercessory prayer where somebody is going on behalf of the people, on behalf of somebody else and praying for them. It 
we saw a little bit of that, I guess, in in Job, and that he would um, he would pray over his kids and that sort of thing, pray for their safety. And I think he, you know, he would do sacrifices on their behalf and and that sort of thing. But this is the first time that like that we see a leader come and saying these these people they messed up. Will you forgive them? Well, can I come on their behalf as their leader and and you forgive them? It's the first time we really see that. Yeah, and Moses and Aaron are you know pretty much the first pastors, first uh, priests reverends whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. and we know our pastor is always asking god yeah for prayer for us or, or praying for us uh and as, as as his congregation yeah so that's pretty cool to see when it kind of comes into play for the first time in the bible yeah absolutely and you know and god responds he here he says no look i'm not going to take anyone out nobody's going to get erased from the book so to speak um, he said that those, those who had sinned against them, those who had made the bad choices were punished by a plague. doesn't look like anything that killed anybody in that, in that instance. Um, uh, but, but you're going to remember to not do this again, sort of thing. So then after that, after this, this tough situation that Moses is dealing with, Moses and God have a conversation and, and you start to see just how um, good his relationship with God is. And it's a good example for us of, of kind of what that relationship can look like. Moses goes to God and he pleads with them to teach him his ways. And God gives Moses a promise in Exodus 33, 14. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses wants to live life God's way. And so God encourages and saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going anywhere. Despite these quote unquote stiff necked people that, that you're leading, I'm not going anywhere. But then Moses asks for a sign and he wants to see God's glory. He wants to see who this is that he's talking to, right? He's seen the burning bush. He's seen the great cloud and the thunderstorm of, of God's presence, but, and, and even the cloud and the fire that led them, but he hasn't seen God. And that's what he's looking for. He wants to see God, but God responds to him in uh, Exodus 33, 20 through 23. He says, you cannot see my face for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand in the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. And so Moses gets this really cool experience where he gets to see God walking by, which I'm going to guess, I think this is probably the first time since Adam and Eve that we have that kind of interaction where God's walking around with his people where there's, there's that level of relationship there. But Adam and Eve, didn't they actually see God? Didn't they see his face? Weren't they that yeah. close to him? Yeah. So that's what sin did to us, right? That separated right. us from God to where we couldn't see his face anymore. Right. And I think it is interesting that, you know, this itself proves that, you know, God has a shape, right? He's not just some thought or some mm-hmm. apparition. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, he is, he says he has a hand. He, you can't see my face. You'll see my back. Mm-hmm. He has a body. Yeah. And that's not something that we could even imagine. And I don't remember where, but somewhere it says, you know, do not um, create images of me. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Part of, that's part of the part of not not creating idols is to not is to not make any images in the form of right in the form of God. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, I know there's a lot of um, you know there's cartoon drawings. You see this big big guy <laughs> in, in, on the clouds with a big white beard and things like right. that. Do Santa you think Claus-esque. that's what he's talking about? do what santa claus-esque yeah 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 with the big white robe and and you think that's what he's talking about yeah i i I, sometimes i wonder because you know there's there's also the uh in genesis it says humans were created in the image of god and so 
I've always kind of wondered, like, does he look like us? Does he does he have you know what 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 does that look like? Yeah. Um, and yet we all look so different. If he looks like us, which one of us? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a. It is something I've always wondered about. You know, even Moses being in the crevice of the rock, looking at his back, like. I mean, does he have two legs and two arms? You know, what what are we talking about? Well, and considering, you know, he created the angels differently mm. and they've got what, like six wings and yeah. according to Revelation. Right. Ram's horns, isn't that a thing as well? Maybe not. Yeah, I think so. It's like eagle's wings, ram's horns, their their and their lower half. Their upper half is like an eagle, the lower half is something else. Yeah. It's like it's very, very different. It's that yeah, it's not uh, it's not people with Two wings up on a cloud playing a harp with a, a little halo, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so it's it's interesting to, and of course, that's what John could interpret from the dream. Right. So that's the, that's the only way he knew how to describe it. Yeah. So it could still be completely different. Absolutely. But, but yeah, that's just really interesting to to think about what that might look like. Yeah, we'll find out one day. Yeah, we will absolutely. So after this, God tells Moses to go make two new stone tablets, just like the first ones that God had inscribed. And God goes through some of the laws. On these tablets, Moses wrote down the Ten Commandments in stone, and he spent 40 days with God uh, reviewing the law. And so he he's there communing with God, has his interaction with him. And after he, But after he came down the mountain, his face was literally glowing from being in the presence of God. It shone like a light, um, is, is kind of how it describes it. And it was so bright that when he was among the Israelites, he would wear a veil over his face because it was it was too bright. It was a distraction, right? Um, but when he went to meet with God, he would remove the veil, talk to God, and, and find out what God was telling the Israelites to do. And then when he came back out, he would put the veil over his face. I wonder how often he wore that. I, that, that literally just popped in my head. Like, did he wear that for the next 40 years of his life, or was it just when he talked to God? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, how how long before it started to fade, right? You yeah. Know, uh, if it did. Right. If it did. You know, just in talking about that, mm-hmm. it kind of makes me think of, of us, how we can, you know, the songs, the kids' songs, right? Shine bright for Jesus mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. uh, this little light of mine or, right. you know, those kind of things. When we have a relationship with Jesus, we have joy. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of the light in us. And he talks about, light in a lot of his parables you know the mm-hmm. we don't put a a, a candle under a, a desk or a table right. you know we want it out where it shines when we step into the light we were uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing probably completely misquoting but when sin is brought out to the light mm. it doesn't hide in the darkness or yeah it, it can't hide it, yeah. yeah when when you shine a light on sin it can't hide in the darkness anymore right yeah. right something like that yeah so light is an analogy i guess for lack of a better word throughout the Bible or yeah. where Jesus is concerned. But here Moses was apparently literally glowing like some kind of lightning bug or something, right. you know, <laughs> constantly. Like he had radiation or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe God comes directly from the sun. He's just so full of radiation. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but it is interesting um, how, how light has that theme throughout the Bible. Um, I mean, if you've ever been in a really, really dark space, all it takes is one light, one candle, one flashlight, you know, your cell phone, whatever, to bring light into it. Once you have a light in there, the darkness can't get rid of it. You know, it can't be so dark that you can't see the light. It, that doesn't happen. It happened for the Egyptians and the plagues, but it doesn't otherwise happen. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and considering, you know, when you're in a completely dark space, it doesn't take much light to blind you. Yeah. Anything is like that. 
yeah, what, what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. And it was apparently significant enough with Moses that he had to wear a veil so that it wouldn't be a distraction. It wouldn't, I mean, it could be you know, potentially uh, hurting people, right? Hurting people's eyes, that sort of thing. So Yeah, if he was that bright, for sure. Well, speaking of lights and talking about Jesus, uh, as always, we're going into how does this point to Jesus? Um, mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, we're talking about God directly, so there's a ton of ways that this, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this points to Jesus. So, um, what have you got for us today on that? So, there's an interesting event. It happens in Matthew 17 and Luke chapter nine. We call it the Transfiguration. So, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, who were his inner circle three of the disciples, and he took them up a mountain, away from the crowds, away from the other disciples. And uh, Matthew 17, 2 says, He was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Um, I think it's in Luke that it talks about his his clothes were so bright and white that there was no amount of cleaning, you know, in today's terms, there was no amount of bleach that could get it that white. It was <laughs> it was literally shining. And after he was transfigured, Moses and Elijah appeared there with him. And Peter, being Peter, he was he was kind of bold and brash. He was the one that spoke out the most. Um, he offered to build shelters for him. He wanted to build, um, I'm guessing, a tent, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. But while he was still speaking, God stepped onto the scene and spoke out of a cloud. And he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so they fell over face down. It kind of insinuates they passed out after that. And then Jesus came to them, woke them up, and they went back down the mountain. Um, and Jesus told them to not talk about these things until after his resurrection. I think it's really interesting here that I was reading some some commentary on, you know, why was it Moses and Elijah? Why did this event happen? And it's really cool how this is kind of later in Jesus' ministry. And it's representative. Moses is the definitive representation of the law, right? He gives the law and all that happens during his time. Elijah is representing the prophets. Um, and so all of the messages that God gave his people uh, leading up to Jesus. And then you have the disciples that are all about the New Testament after Jesus. Hmm. And then Jesus is right there in the middle of it. He's the one that, that brings it all together. So it's just kind of a cool uh, figure. We, we see, um, you know, Moses had a little of that transfiguration right on his face uh, with his face shining in God's presence. We see that here when Jesus and Moses and Elijah were were all there in God's presence together, that that they were literally shining because of that experience. So just just kind of a cool cool story out of the New Testament. Yeah, it just brought to mind that you know the Catholics and their representations of the disciples, the the saints, yeah, as they call them, all have kind of that halo, that glow around mm. their face. Yeah, when they're depicted in art form. Yeah. So I wonder if that's not where they're getting that from. That that incident right there, the disciples are all there, and they all saw God, you know, in Jesus. Right. But this is as close to God the Father that Jesus has been in front of them. Yeah. So maybe they had some of that as well. Going yeah. On. Yeah, it very well could be. That's I I I was wondering about that as well. Like, did did those three disciples have a little shine to their face? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After this incident, I I don't know. I'm not sure. It doesn't specifically say that that I recall. But like you said, this is as close as they got. Mm-hmm. to God the Father. Yeah. And so um having having that kind of interaction it makes an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, I just thought of this and I've read this passage before about Moses and Elijah appearing there with him. Mm-hmm. It's recorded because they were seen, right? They were visibly seen. Yeah. So this is this is a history of what happened at the time. Yeah. So they're in their new body in heaven. Mm-hmm. And not to get into the the 
the deep, deep, deep theology of things. Yeah. But, you know, this, would you say this kind of proves in a very simplistic way, the pre versus post tribulation? Oh, yeah. They're already in heaven. Mm -hmm. God said, here, we're going to appear to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think it does. I think something it definitely points to is that when we die, we're, we're not... You know, there isn't some purgatory. Right, we're not in limbo. In, right, yeah. It's it, it, you're there is no limbo. You you die. You're either in heaven or hell. Right. That's right. that. So it definitely points to that. I think the what I'm not sure about with the pre versus post trib uh, conversation is for people who are living through the tribulation. Mm. What what happens with them? Gotcha. Um, and so, but, but as far as like when we die, what happens? Yeah. We're not in limbo. It's, it's, you've made your decision. You're, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, you, you, it's either one or the other. And so I think, I, I think this definitely points to that, that Moses and Elijah are, they're alive. They're here. Um, mm -hmm. in you know, a new they, body. They, yeah. In the body, they are here with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, um, I, I wasn't thinking about us living, whoever is still here during all of that. Um, yeah, but I know there was some. I have read that there is some controversy, maybe not, maybe controversy mm -hmm. is a strong word, but that there's some uncertainty of mm -hmm. do we wait? Do, are we are we sitting in the grave for yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever, or do we go straight there? Right, and and especially when you talk about like I said, like being in limbo of of you do not just not go anywhere. Is there some kind of purgatory? Do we have a chance to you know correct our mistakes? All that sort of thing. All of that is not even a. It's really not even a conversation when you when you look at this because Moses and Elijah are very clearly they're they're not stuck anywhere, right? Uh, or else they wouldn't be able to be a part of this, yeah. right? And they weren't anybody special. They made mistakes. It's not like yeah. oh y'all were fantastic, y'all were perfect. You get a fast pass to heaven. Yeah, right, right. right. They right. They were just like everybody else. Yeah, and yet there they are. So yeah, I like that you brought that into that. That's cool. Well, what was going on elsewhere in the world um, while all this is happening, um, or was this just so important that nothing was going on. There's nothing happening. No, I, one of the things I, I looked into a little bit, we were talking about why a calf earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it brought to mind what, what was worship like back then? What, what were other cultures worshiping then? Apparently animals was pretty common. At first glance, I think, uh, that, that seems a little strange. Why would you worship animals? Well, they but, didn't have phones. Right. <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> yeah. They didn't have a black screen looking back at them to worship. Yeah. But, it was interesting. There was actually some some logic behind why they worshipped animals. So on the one hand, it was believed that animal worship um, was based in how they interact with animals. So if animals were good for them and they helped them and that kind of stuff, so you might think of I don't know, like oxen that helped them plow the fields or something. Like they would worship them because they were helpful and they wanted to keep a good relationship. So let's worship that animal versus, you know, if there were animals that were especially, you know, a detriment to them, you know, it's like appeasing the gods of leopards or whatever. Like let's, you know, let's, let's keep them at bay. Hmm. So animal worship was common. And I think that points to kind of the issue the Israelites had is that it was something tangible, right? It was something tangible they could, they could hold on to. One of the other things though, and this is more of where, where Egypt comes into play um, with the cows is that, Animals represented certain qualities that rulers wanted to have. And so with that in particular, bulls were uh, commonly associated with the gods and the kings of Egypt because they were a sign of strength and courage. Cows, on the other hand, were also worshipped because they were a sign of fertility. And so in that day and age, how many kids you had and all that stuff was a big deal. So animal worship is, it's not right, but it's, 
you can kind of logic your way through like, oh, that's why that happened. And very likely that being part of the Egyptian culture and the culture of the nations around them is why the Israelites started with a calf when they weren't sure what happened with Moses. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And and if you think about it, you know, even cultures like in India still worship yeah. cows. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're sacred. Yeah. I don't know if worship, I don't know if they worship them, but I know they're sacred. Right. They don't, I, I guess they don't eat them. They don't, uh, they're yeah. more like pets. Right. Than anything. I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked into that, but, but that is interesting. You know, I think about when people, um, well, for example, uh, years ago, I had a friend who uh, had a, a pig problem mm. uh, in his in his yard, tearing up his yard. And he, he wasn't a hunter, but I am. So he called me and asked me if I would take care of it. Yeah. Sure. I, I wanted some sausage. It sounds yeah. great. <laughs> so I went over there and I took care of it. And, and there was just one, but but um, we took care of it. And of course, when you hunt, you have to field dress it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not a Christian as far as I know. I haven't talked to him in a while, so I don't know where he's at now, but I know he wasn't back then. Uh, he did, he is Jewish, but he... Hmm. Also believed in a little bit of everything, right? Gotcha. Um, so he wanted to burn some um, herbs, some, some uh, what's the word? Some Is it sage? Sage, yeah. He yeah. wanted to burn some sage and, and uh, you know, wave it over the pig and thank it for giving its life. And, yeah. and, I, and he's like, do you mind? And, and I wasn't a Christian back then either. Um, but I did believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know what it all meant. And, um, but I'm like... I don't believe in this stuff, but sure, go ahead, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I felt a little weird about it. And I mm. think because of my belief in God, yeah, it, I felt uncomfortable with this ritual. Yeah. But it didn't make the meat taste any different, <laughs> you <laughs> no. know. Um, and But I, I know that people do that. They're like, you know, thank you for giving your life. It's an animal, and that's what God gave them to us for. Yeah. Right? God gave animals to us to eat, not to yeah. worship. It says that in the beginning says we're to work them, to eat them, to use them for our benefit. Mm-hmm. So I find that really interesting that how that all gets twisted. Um, but so many things do get twisted. You know, I, I was thinking about the same thing, kind of, you know, how we've deified, you know, Mother Nature, mm-hmm. right? And you know, some people worship Mother Nature. Some people have put creation, taking care of the creation around us above taking care of people. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, I just, it tells you how off focus we've gotten when we're worshiping the created instead of the creator. Right. And that's, and, and that's, that's an issue we all struggle with in in some form or fashion. Right. Um, Sure. But when, when it comes to nature in particular, it's a little bit like, but don't you realize something created this? Mm -hmm. Like you look around, like, don't you realize that this, there is a deity involved and that, that intelligently designed us and everything around us. Why are we worshiping the thing that, you know, that was created instead of saying, huh, I wonder where that came from. Yeah. But it's been around for a long time. <laughs> it has been. It's been around since almost the beginning. Well, probably, well, probably the beginning. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. After sin entered the world, how Adam and Eve uh, and the rest of the folks around yeah. treated animals. Um, there is, there is a reason <laughs> God made these rules yeah. of, we talked about bestiality last week, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason God made that rule. Right. Somebody did it. There's a reason right. we put rules on packages yeah. that say do not allow three-year-olds to play with balloons. Right. Because, because somebody's done it. <laughs> you know, um, just the just the little things like that. When you look at these rules and you're like, oh, come on. This is here. Why? What? what? Somebody did this. It's like when they had to start putting caution hot on the coffee cups. Yeah. Like, who didn't think it was hot? Right. <laughs> it's coffee. But now you got to make a rule about it. So, right. 
Um, things get twisted so quickly, and it's amazing what sin does to the world. But you know, hopefully, we can come back to God and 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 uh, and, and and don't get us wrong. There is a time and place for um, caring for the environment. Right? Yeah, we need to care for should. our environment. Yeah. It's the only one we got. When you leave it better than we found mm-hmm. it for our kids, for mm-hmm. our grandkids. Um, I get that. I do. I'm in fact, uh, with my business, uh, in the balloon world, I'm part of the pro environmental, uh, balloon Alliance. And that basically says that I've agreed to dispose of my balloons properly, that I've agreed to not participate in balloon releases mm-hmm. because we don't want the government shutting down the balloon industry because <laughs> right. notions they have about balloons anyway. Right. Um, but yes, we need to take care of where we are. Mm-hmm. But don't worship it. It's, right. It's there for us to use. God gave it to us to use and to benefit us because he loves us more than anything. Right. Absolutely. Part part of our correct relationship with God is remembering that he did create everything. And so we should we should respect it as such. But but never to the point of worship, like you said. Yeah. Right. Right. He is the one. He's the one to worship, not 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 the world around us. That's right. Well, next week we're going to continue with Moses. We're going to get into some, what, uh, boring stuff? <laughs> we're going to get into some interesting architecture. Yeah. Uh, no, it's going to be good. Uh, we're going to keep it interesting for you, as I promised a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But we'll be in Exodus 35 through 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, you know, I've read ahead. I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of thoughts behind it that I had never really thought about in the several times I've read through it. So yeah, I'm excited to really dive into that and talk about what, all that means for us because as boring as some of it might be it all means something to us that's right it's in there for a reason yeah and i love that's what the part i love is exploring i hate to sound selfish but what's in it for me yeah, yeah. why is it there yeah right? why is it there yeah. yeah i love that so yeah y'all come back uh next week for another exciting episode of simplify jesus uh remember read 35 through 40 in exodus and and um yeah matt get us on out of here if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share. Keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast, and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.